And you're welcome to Wade In as we kick off our footsteps to the festival with the Supreme, the Oracle, and the Champion Hurdle, all to preview a conversation around the Supreme. Might be a short one after the weekend following the greatest novice hurdle performance in the history of horse racing. Isn't that right, Kevin Blake? Oh, very much so, Hugh. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the excitement. Fully, fully justified. And uh, we'll be vindicated in March, no doubt, when, uh, when Constitution Hill wins the Supreme Novices Hurdle in similar fashion, at his ease, Absolutely. with his mouth open. Tony Cabot is going to have to break his year-long resolution of short price backing by tipping yeah. up, by actually backing the only possible winner after the race, Tony. I'm, I'm telling you, I've got, a, I've got a guilty admission now. I've already backed the horse eights and sevens. I actually <gasps> went in. I actually went in again at five to two immediately. No way. How are you I'm sleeping at night? How are you sleeping? Uh, at I night? don't know, but I'm, I'm going to be heartbroken when he wins at Cheltenham, but he wins the Ballymore. Oh. <laughs> oh no, Vanessa. Let's just put let's we put just... our like, layout colors here. It is the supreme or nothing for Constitution Hill, right? The supreme or nothing. Yeah, I think it is. Good. Good. Okay. Right. Listen. With all that, with all that in mind, <laughs> let's let's just kick it off because you know I, I said this about five or six weeks ago to a colleague of mine, Jay Mangan. This could be the race of the festival if John Bon is what we think he is. You know, if uh, if Sir Gerhard continues in the progression that we saw from him, if Constant Hill, Hill does what he like, Kevin Blake. This is now turning into an absolute cracker of a Supreme Novices Hurdle and probably the most competitive, certainly in the anti-post betting market that I can remember for quite some time. Is that fair? <laughs> <laughs> Until the two of them switched to the Ballymore later no, on. No, because no, you can no, do no. that. Because you can do that nowadays and something else gets hurt and all of a sudden Sir Gerhardt goes off a three to one on and wins by half No, 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 no. That's no, what no. we're setting ourselves up for here, isn't it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Stop naysaying. Stop with the negativity. Just because you're growing your hair long doesn't allow you to throw out your hippie negativity <laughs> comments. Whatever you like. Okay? <laughs> Right. Okay, Tarzan, just, just give us what you want. We're going to have the three best horses and possibly a few words in behind. Five minutes of Reem Lobs has turned over two miles. All right? Tell us what you want to hear, Ken. I was, I was kind of going for David Ginola myself, but hey, oh. I told you, I, I told you, you're Don King, mate. You're Don King to me, nobody else. <laughs> Right, but no, on a serious note, Kev, the Supreme, like, hopefully they, they all stay over two miles. Who cares about the Ballymore in the minute? It's all about the opening roar. It's all about that first race. And we have three potential superstars going at it. Cracking race. In all seriousness, Nicky Henderson was quoted the other day drawing a comparison to Simon Sig, who he said, like, they thought was an out-and-out two-miler, and they ended up running them in the Ballymore, and he went and won that Hanaway. So it just, just he did say that. He yeah. did say that. So just yeah. the, those kind of thoughts are circulating in his head. Um, but look, before we go down to who's going to run and what, Constitution Hill, look, clearly, visually, very, very impressive again. But I was going to say I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised at the level of reaction to it because, like, this this was a nutting race uh, without wanting to sound too harsh. Um, you know, the, the second was rated 125. The third was rated 129. Um, it was, it was, you know, call it a grade one if you want, that's because it was, but Jesus, it was, it's, you get stronger maiden hurdles in this in Ireland, wouldn't you? In all, in in all seriousness. every year, though. Like, like you get stronger maiden hurdles at Leopardstown and the likes. Um, and look, he was very, very good. The ground was very, very testing, like, like on, in terms of, you, you can measure these things and the, the going allowance at Sandown was as testing as it's been in, in, in many years. Um, and he's bolted up and he's clearly a lovely, lovely horse. I have no idea how good he is, but I surely we cannot be falling into the trap again of completely overestimating these British novices that are winning these windy grade ones. Um, because we've seen it in recent years. They, they do the likes of this and races like this. And they go to Cheltenham and it's a different kettle of fish altogether. So this fella could be the second coming of Jesus Christ. I don't know yet, but I really don't want to stick the crown on his head just yet based on a, on a very easy win in a very windy tower hurdle. You know, I'm, Vanessa, I'm not one for falling, prone to falling into these traps. I just generally don't do it. <laughs> I, I have jumped into this trap. I have bundled myself in, thrown away the key and said, leave me in here. And if this doesn't work out the what I think it is, then I don't want to know anything about racing anymore. I don't know why I'm so taken with this horse. I think it's a combination of a few different things. Um, certainly comments that you made before about the difference between him uh, temperamentally and John Bond, uh, backed up by the owner in the aftermath of the win yesterday, uh, Barry Geraghty as well. And I saw you put up a tweet about Barry Geraghty's daughter at three years of age sitting up with this horse and him being a big baby. I just think 
everything is filling in together and I really want to get carried away by this train here and I have my tickets and I'm not getting off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, good for you. You enjoy your time on that train. You know, there's a few other people in the carriage with you, Mm. but me and Kevin are not. I don't know about Tony, we'll get to him in due course. And look, I'm like, you can't not be a fan of him. Like you just simply can't. He's done everything right. Yada, 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 all the usual cliches. He jumps well, he travels, he's straightforward, he's laid back, he looks nice, you know. Great, but all the things Kevin said, the toll is a bad grade one every year. It was run in atrocious conditions and he was just a class act compared to some not that great other horses. I mean, when I say not that great, I mean in grade one context, not obviously in the wide racing context. Um, Yeah, for me, there's no negatives to take from it, but I'm definitely not on the train with you at this stage. If you ask me to choose between him, John Vaughn and... uh, so Gerhard definitely Constitution Hill John Bond for all the reasons we've mentioned on this show before a little bit worried about his mind would definitely take Constitution Hill over him um, you know just in a supreme you want things to go your way clearly and I think uh, John Bond you know if he gets keen again and I just think he's more of a work in progress and as for Sir Gerhard I wasn't as taken with him as, as lots of people were at Leopardstown over yeah. Christmas and so for me of the short price horses in the supreme of course I, I, I definitely definitely favor constitution hill at this point but one of the points in our running order was like should he have been shortened up to as short as he is post that tolworth win no for all the things that we've now outlined on this show i just think that was a ridiculous shortening of his price well okay tony calvin is on this train with me but the difference mm. between tony and i is that tony is sitting up nicely in first class with his feet from a bottle of champagne eating caviar because he's backed him already <laughs> at fines at eights at sevens and he's gone back in again at five to two <laughs> filthy I'm, filthy I'm, I'm looking at the nine to four here. I'm down in steerage with my tuppany bit and I'm saying, yeah, anybody give me just over nine to four? Where Tony's sitting up in first class, absolutely laughing all the way on the train journey. Tony, you must be delighted your position at the moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, he hasn't shored up that much. I mean, before the race, he was 4.7 on Betfair on the exchange. And now he's, what, 3.4? So it's not a massive shortening. And you just had to shorten him after that performance. I mean... You know, we all know the, the Tolworth is not a great grade one. It's always running very testing ground, etc. And the ground was well, ground was obviously bottomless on Saturday. So much so that, you know, if I owned the horse, I probably wouldn't have run him in that ground because I think it was a... Uh, I don't think there was much upside in him winning that kind of race other than getting another run into him. But, mm. yeah, of all the caveats about the, you know, the ground, and the, I think he, the fact that he actually soared to clear on that ground I mean, all the other horses on that card were just finishing legless, didn't they? And he just looked to be absolutely full of running there. I, I just, no, I'm probably the most negative person you, you get to. If I look at a horse, I look for the negatives first. But this horse, it, it, it did really blow me away. Uh, I remember sp- I remember getting home after we did the filming for the, uh, the Betfair Tingle Creek. I actually uh, spoke to Nico and I just said to him... Um, I said that was some performance, wasn't it? Because you go back and look at it. And I'd already backed him at eights and sevens as soon as we got home after 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 the Saturday. And he just said, he said, it just felt like he was like sprinting on fast ground on a flat track on the running. And he just he said it was just absolutely extraordinary. And yeah, and, and, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and, and Nico, Nico, Nico doesn't make those comments. No, he doesn't. Honestly, he doesn't. honestly, yeah. when I was obviously I speak to him at least once or twice a week. Yeah, uh, you know, for the column I do with him, and he just never says that. And we did a we did a piece on Thursday morning after the decks, and he just said, "Look, we we'll rain it down a bit. We'll rain it down a bit." But I mean, reading between the lines, they, they do think this is a sens- sensational horse. But I am. You go back and look at the Supreme and horses. Nicky's running it. He'd run good horses in against each other in this all the time. You know. You know the spirit, the spirit son, sprinter sacras in in Alpha off and yeah. uh, Shultry House. You obviously finished fur to to you know to Shishkin. So he does run top notches, uh, top notches, including ones owned by JP. But I'm just getting some vibes here. I mean, I, 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 my ears pricked up when when Nicky Henderson said JP was the first one on the phone. Yes, uh, I saw that. He, he probably saying, he probably saying, don't run that bloody horse. Listen, Supreme all yet. the shrewds, Kevin, all the shrewds, and I know because I am a shrewd, and everybody knows. <laughs> I'm a shrewd. 
all the shrews were on here. I mean, I'm the guy. I'm the guy who backed a two to five shot at the weekend and racing only better. Put it up as my nap. So I'm the shrews. Like, <laughs> but JP McManus picks up the phone to ring Nikki. Nikki afterwards is that's just full of praise. Nico de Boinville, who's not one prone to over exaggeration, says, "Oh my God, this is a monster." Like everybody who's in the know, me included, says this horse is going to win. Kev, join the party, man, or get left behind. Did we see this exact situation with Brave Man's game last season? Like, yeah. he's there winning the, no, these no British grade one novice hurdles, absolutely swinging up. You have Paul Nichols, who is a very good judge comparing him to Denman. You know, everyone was raving about him, this absolute superstar. And he goes to Cheltenham and not one but two Irish horses kick him out of the way. Um, oh. So I'm just, I'm just advising caution. Again, I really like the horse. Yeah, I'd just know, like to point out that I probably sound quite down on it, but I actually really like him. There's nothing not to like about him. But I'm but, just cautious of getting too carried away with what we saw because this wasn't much of a race. And it's, it's hilarious, really, because after John Bond, you know, I think a lot of us were doing the same thing. We're like, All right, settle down a bit, lads. You know, this Very wasn't well. a great race. John Bond at least went and beat like a, an Irish horse rated 140 something that, that had good form in the book and kicked him out of the way. Whereas Constitution Hill here, you know, like I said, beat a horse rated 125 and a horse beat the rated 129. Um, so I'm just saying, be, be cautious, lads. Look, right, talking about the Supreme right now, um, I, I don't know at the Betfair prices, but uh, but at the best prices with, with the fixed odds, you know, you're, you're, betting, you're betting a shade of odds on um, Constitution Hill and John Bond coupled. Like, yeah. ooh, let me lay that, lads. I have a funny feel of one of them on run. <laughs> Yeah, you've Sir Gerhard there at like a five to one a champion bumper winner who I was impressed with um on his hurling debut. You, you mighty Potter there, you know, a, a grade one winner, you know, a, a good grade one, you know, at 14 to one. Um, you know, you you have a, a sneaky one there for Willie, uh El, El Fabiolo, mm -hmm. a sneaky one, one around Tremor, but you get the impression Willie really likes him, he's 20 yeah, to yeah. one. You know, we've two big novice hurdles coming up in Ireland. We've the Moscow Flyer there um, next weekend, and we've the Grade One at the Dublin Racing Festival. If something comes out and we and they'll be proper races, if something comes out and puts a stamp on them, this market's going to get turned upside down on, on its head again, lads. So, nope. uh, if anyone wants even money about, about Constitution Hill and John Bond uh, coupled, yeah. I'd be laying all day rather back in that. Hugh, I just, I just like to add that it's not that I'm like not a fan of Constitution Hill, and it's not yeah. that I'm saying that he's not going to win the Supreme. I'm just saying that I'm not on this like complete all or nothing. He's the second coming train. If the right. train is is Constitution Hill the second coming, I'm not on it. If the train is titled Do. You like Constitution Hill, I am on it. Do you get no, me? No, you're, yeah, you're yeah, no, yeah. We're not on the same train, then. We're not on the same we're, train. We're not talking about an odds on shot here. That's why. We're not talking about an odds on shot here, though, are we? But no. The, oh, yeah. They're couples. The two of them. <laughs> John, Bond's, John Bond's not. I, I'm actually laid John Bond as well. So I've literally gone all in here. If, if he switches, he switches. Yeah, but I, I think the negatives would be the negatives would be everyone said, oh, he's done it with plenty of ease in the ground. Now, that is a total irrelevance because Supreme, first day of Cheltenham, we know it's going to be good to soft minimum, even by now. Oh, I don't know, TC. We've got stung with that one a few times in the last well, couple of years. Well, it's, they're going to water to me. It's good to soft, aren't they? And then they it rains. To. They have to. Yeah, I was actually, so we know that's no problem with Constitution Hill. We don't worry, need to worry about him being as effective on, on good ground because he, he isn't going to get good ground. And we know he handles the most bottomless... Uh, uh, Conditions yep. going, and we know it is good to soft on on that spectacular debut without finishing effort. So the ground's no problem with Constitution Hill. The the the, pre, the the one that does increasingly worry me is the fact you go back and look at the Supremes. He's run all these good horses in the two miler if they're two milers. But here we have one difference. If he runs Constitution Hill in the Ballymore, it'll be odds on. Because I don't think he's got any problems about that. And looking at that Ballymore at the moment, I think it's 9.4 the field on the exchange for the Ballymore. So there's nothing outstanding in that. Yeah. Uh, and and if, obviously, if he goes Constitution Hill, he and then he's got a ready-made six to four shot in John Bond for the Supreme. That's the difference in the past. He's never had such dominance in the Supreme uh, in order to split them and to have two solid favourites in the in the in the top two mile novice hurdle division. So that's that has got to be a worry. Um, even though, you know, like I said, but uh, that's the only thing that scares me is that horse being diverted to the Ballymore. <laughs> but I'm, it, it'll take care of John Bond. 
But John Bourne, take that. I mean, it, but John Bourne is a two minor. John Bourne will not be put up to two mile four, two mile five because he's buzzy, the earplugs, yeah. etc. So that's a, if, if one's going to be rerouted, it will be Constitution Hill. So Gerhard beat beat a horse eight lengths on his hurling debut that got beaten eight lengths, the similar distance in a Navan uh, Navan Navan maiden hurdle be- yeah. beforehand. So if you talk about shit prices. Talk to me about Sir Gerhard at 6.2, 5 to 1 yeah, with the but, big but the, the, the difference is, TC, we, we know that Sir Gerhard is a proper grade one horse from, from his bumper form. We, we have no idea. Yeah, tooting around on the flat with no hurdles in the way. We, we just have two Mickey Mouse, you know, um, novice hurdles to judge Constitution Hill on. We, we've got some very good bumper Everyone's forms. Everyone's talking about Mighty Potter. And Mighty Potter's going to go to the Ballymore, isn't he? He's going to go shit, There will be shit scared. A, yeah, the strong possibility, I'd say. I, I really not, like I him, like by the way. Mighty, yeah, really I like if, if you're decrying like the knight of four in isolation, I get that. But look at the wider picture. What's going to rock up against him? I hope oh, that he rocks up the, himself. The Moscow Flyer and the Dublin Racing Festival is going to produce something, if not yeah. a couple, yeah, that will change this picture vastly. Like Willie Mullins, you you suspect his novice hurdlers are only really getting rolling now, and it just wouldn't be a shock if, yeah. I don't know, Sir Gerhardt's probably going to be the one at, at um, Leopardstown, but... Um, the the Punchestown race is going to be interesting. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to seeing what's entered in that because that could be that could be uh, have an impact on this too. I think. There's, I mean, in terms of them both running or not or not running, one reason I think they might both run is they're both owned by by very sporting game owners. In terms of love, a bit of friendly rivalry, they're obviously good friends, JP and Michael Buckley. They're all kind of pally pally. And I there's part of me that thinks that JP would love the sport of going up against, you know, his great mate, Michael Buckley. Like I think there's a good bit of fun in that. I know they're all about Cheltenham Festival winners, but a part of me thinks they'll want to take each other on. Part of me thinks that's an even bigger reason than to fight them. <laughs> I don't know. They're both very... I know what you mean. Look, you can go either way with that theory, but I don't know. They're very sporting and they'll love that rivalry between each other. I don't know. I don't know. We'll come back to the trainer, lads. I think that trainer will be inclined to split him. You're so I'm not, I'm not even trying to wind up TC. That's my genuine opinion. <laughs> no, 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 no. You picked up on the Simon Sig comment. And when, when I heard that, I went, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, the Simon Sig comment was a, is a red flag for sure. No, I'd like but to know what you got to do, TC. Yeah. you got to back him for the Ballymore. Oh, like, he's, 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 a, he's a, you know... No, no, I'll take, I'll take my, no, 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 I'll, you know, the non-runner no bet's going to come out in the next month or so, we'll, we'll deal with that then, but then again, non-runner no bet, what's Constitution Hill going to be for the Ballymore? Five to four? Yeah, right, so, like, yeah. If they do go, if they, if they do switch, then I'll just have to take my medicine and, uh, and go for that, but like, what, what, to reiterate, what I do know is, if one of those horses are going to step up in trip, it will be Constitution Hill and not John Bond. And yeah. that worries me. Yeah, agreed. Okay, well, that's been shame up to be an absolute cracker, <laughs> um, ladies and gents. So, look, uh, regardless, anyway, I'm happy with my train tickets. Off we go. And sure, look, we'll see what happens. I might get thrown out. Right. I have a feeling our article discussion is going to be a short one, unless one of you can point me towards something outside of Fernie Hollow that might be a bit of value oh, each right. way at this particular stage. Because for me, the certainty of the entire week, Vanessa Royal is Fernie Hollow to win the Oracle. The horse will not be beaten. He'll win by probably six to eight lengths, easing down, and I will not be talked out of it. What do you think? Uh, well, I'd, I'd be with you on this one, I'm afraid. It's so unoriginal, isn't it? But is it seven yeah. out of the last 10 runnings of the Oracle, I think, have been run by the favourite? Willie Mullins has three of those, and then his fourth winner was at five to one, was it? That grey yoke that never did anything else? Um, but <laughs> but even he went off five to one, I think. Either way, this is a race for the shorties and the favourites. And for me, Fernie Hollow, I was not taken with him on debut. I thought there was a lot of room for improvement. But then I was really, really surprised with what he did. Uh, not surprised. I was impressed with what he did at Leopardstown. Just thought in so many ways, a proper race. And um, he progressed so much in terms of his jumping from debut to Leopardstown. And if he can progress again in the meantime... 
uh, and it's so unoriginal, isn't it? But he's the absolute class act in it. All that back form, there's loads to like about him and taking him on underneath him, like Riviere de Tell, I think Leopardstown was probably her moment if she was going to beat him. She couldn't get past him that day. Blue Lord's done absolutely nothing wrong but at the same time, does he have the, the same class? He has a bit more experience, a bit more racing experience than Fernie Hollow, but I don't think he has that real class edge. I mean, he has improved on what he's done as a hurdler and he was a good hurdler and he's shaping up to be a really good chaser. But I think he's in the same category as an absolute weapon. And then from us, we've got Edward Stone. But again, I mean, I really like him. He's been game. I like the way he's been campaigned. I think he'll like, I think he'll take to Cheltenham. There's lots of positives about him and he'll probably have the most chasing experience going into the Arkle um, above loads around him in the betting in terms of actual runs. But again, I'm just not sure he's going to have, if Fernie tips up in anywhere near top top order, I think he's a proper class act in the two-mile novice chase division. And yeah. I think he'll make it eight favourites out of 11 years, I think. He's got, I think he's going to be an awful lot of people's betting banker, Tony Calvin. You know, like people just going and saying, right, hey, give me one horse for the week that is just going to win. I'll put him on all my multiple bets. I'll have him in my doubles and treble. This is going to be the horse for a lot of people, I think. Um, even though we haven't seen a huge amount of him, obviously, because he's had his injury problems. But what we do know and what we have seen of him has been top class, to say the least. Yeah. Obviously, it's irrelevant whether seven favourites have won the last 10 runnings of this race or not, because it's what's that got to do with what's that got to do with Fernie Hollow? You take each horse on, on his merits. You you have a situation here whereby again it's if Nicky Henderson's got the Supreme by the you know by the short and curlies, then look at Willie Mullins here. I mean he's got yeah. Blue Lord, he's got Fernie Hollow, which we all know seven to six to four, seven to four is a very, very fair price about that horse after what he did. You know, you know, giving Rivier to tell thirteen pounds last time, but Blue Lord is—he's looked really impressive. Horton Colour, I thought, was really impressive, and Very just yesterday, just yesterday, Saint Sam, who um, yeah. the exchange entered into the Arkle market after that win yesterday, yeah, and he, and he beat he beat uh, the second further than Fernie Hollow did first time up as well. Um, so Saint Sam, and he's around about forty on the exchange. Saint Sam after yesterday, I mean. If Willie didn't have the other ones in the market, I mean, that horse would be training at single figures. It, it's just, I don't know what Willie's going to do here about splitting all these horses up, but if Edwards blows out, I mean, Willie Mullins could be, he could be looking at a one, two, three, four, five or something in this race. He, he's absolutely dominating it. And I think just to piss you off, you, I think he should reroute Fernie Holly elsewhere and win it with Blue Lord. No, 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 not going to happen. Not going to happen. I tell you what, like, I really hope Fernie Hollow goes and wins this, wins it aggressively, and then. You know, even the following year, and again, you know, not looking too far ahead, but to set up a two-mile division with potentially, you know, these absolute genius horses, the likes of Shishkin's. <laughs> Fernie Hollow, Kev, <laughs> Fernie Hollow for me, um, I think he's the, is he the only horse, am I right in saying, to beat Bob Ollinger? Is he the only horse to ever beat yeah, Bob yeah. Ollinger? Yeah, Right, yeah. well, that's not a bad um, track record and to have. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Appreciate it as well, depending on what he does. But yeah, what, what do you think, Kev? Fernie Hollow, map of the week for you as well, or no? Uh, I wouldn't go that far now. It kind of gut tells me to take him out of the price now, but he's probably going to win, isn't he? Like, yeah. he's looked a, a tip-topper all, every step of the way. Now that they've kind of copped himself on, he, looked, he was a bit wild and bumpers there initially. Um, but over jumps, the, the limited amount we've seen him, he's been very good. You'd love the improvement, as Vanessa says, from first start to second. He kind of improved as he went on his chasing debut, and then he put it all together um, at Leopardstown last time. So look, he's the likeliest winner. I'd probably go fishing around at bigger prices. Um, I'd echo TC, actually. St. Sam, I thought was very good, and it was surprised. It was surprising to see him put in the type he's, of price he's he was down, looking yeah, at. He, he's down yeah. right at the end of the exchange market. In fact, after yesterday, this morning, I texted uh, the owner, uh, Ed Ware just say, where are you going next? And he hasn't got back to me, so uh, he probably yeah. hasn't been told where he's going next, actually. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was yeah, so he's but... interesting and, and kind of a, like an Edward Stone, in fairness to him, like he's done nothing wrong and he seems to have improved from from hurdles to fences, but I am just cautious of that, of that Constitution Hill syndrome, as I like to call it now, of just getting <laughs> carried away by these wide margin wins in, um, in, in British novice races. Because the, I suppose the reality is every time he stepped into the heat of the fire, um, he, he's come up short, you know, at Cheltenham and the likes. So it, it just you just fear, why he seems to have improved over fences, you just fear that when he takes on the best of the best, that he might find himself coming up a bit short again. But um, yeah, it's it's a tricky enough race now, but Fernie, 
he's probably just going to go and win, which is yeah. slightly boring. Mm. But which is which is why I said it will be short and sweet. But St. Sam is an interesting one after yesterday. I have to admit, and he was an interesting price yesterday. I think it was four to one, really available yesterday to win that race. But okay, we'll move on to the champion mm. hurdle then, uh, guys. Um, obviously, Honeysuckle is bidding for back to back here. There are been many who will uh, question whether she can be beaten. The caveat here and the stone in the shoe, Kevin Blake, is appreciated coming into the market. Um, Appreciated who many felt was going to go over fences, but is now going to go down the champion hurdle division. The question, I think, is, is appreciated good enough to put it up to Honeysuckle in the champion hurdle? Do you think he potentially is? Um, It's really interesting, right? Certainly put a a bit of interest into the race, hasn't it? Um, Mm. uh, Look, we, we don't really know, do we? Like, he was electric at Cheltenham. Um, I don't think it was a vintage supreme by any means. There was only you know eight of them, and a, and a couple, um, a couple disappointed, a couple fell over. Um, so look, he looked very, very good. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him. I hope they, they hope he makes it into the the Irish Champion Hurdle, and we'll get a, a good read on him um, straight away. But look, in terms of betting alternatives to the Fav, who have absolutely nothing against, it goes without saying. So she's brilliant, um, and she she's looking better than ever. Uh, so I don't want to be throwing stones at Honeysuckle other than her price. And the standout value for me at the minute, um, without doubt, is Saint-Wah. Saint-Roy. Call him what you like. He's 33 to 1 in the place or two. Um, I, I've always really liked this horse since he won the county, despite not jumping brilliantly. He came back at Tipperary the following autumn, jumped much better. And I thought, oi, oi, here we go. Here's a champion hurdle horse in the making. And he just went backwards thereafter. They pulled yeah. stumps with him. There was something wrong with him. They just wanted to just pull stumps with him and said, right, we'll give this fella a good break, see if we re- rejuvenate him. And I loved his run the other day at Leopardstown. Um, he got spoiled up in the front end um, by... Um, Felix Desji and Gordon's other one who were kind of pacemaking for Zana here and it just fired up Saint-Wah and but he, he jumped great um, and he was banged there and he got chopped off coming around the home turn as well I thought he ran a lovely race um, I think he I, I didn't know Patrick Mullins kind of making positive noises about him before as well which I thought was interesting yeah. so I'm hoping he's going to run in the Irish champion and put up and really I like him as well. I, I watched that Tipperary race last time. I, I backed him then for the champion hurdle on the back of that Tipperary race. So I'm with you. I, I, I was yeah, he was deadly that day. He was all with them all of last season. And I was so disappointed by how yeah. he ran last season. And there was never any excuse offered, Kev. No, but the, but the fact that they pulled stumps, like they didn't run him in Cheltenham. They just said, right, there's something quite not quite right with this fella. Let's just pull stumps and press the reset button and see where we end up. Uh, and I liked that run the other day. I think there's more to come. And look, as I'm sure Tony would say, look, you look down through this race, and it's just windy. There's a lack of depth. And he is just one of those that has, has the potential to step forward a bit. And um, yeah, look at 33 to 1. If you finish second or third, you're getting a much bigger payout than you would for sticking the same stake on Honeysuckle. So that'd yeah. be my type of angle into the race and just hope he runs well and come the Irish champion. Vanessa, it is. Might... Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, I was just going to say on somewhere. When you watch that race back, the way he got so lit up when they went out on the first on the first circuit, like when they went out on you know, past the winning post, just thought that was a bit like he's done that a few times, got very, very keen. I'd be worried about him doing that. You know, he can't be doing that in a championship race like the champion hurdle at Cheltenham. Um, Nicky Henderson did say yesterday because um, Matt Chapman asked him if he would consider Constitution Hill for the champion <laughs> hurdle, if that's the level we're talking of. And his answer was Epitone. And um, when Chapman pressed him on it, he, he said, look, Epitone is actually back um, to, to, to what we think she is her best. And she will be, you know, challenging and putting it up to whoever in the champion hurdle if she if she gets their sound. She's ten to one, Vanessa. Would would you have any interest in her at all, or is it really um, honeysuckles to lose if appreciated um, is the closest in the market to her? Uh, I don't. I wouldn't have any interest in Epiton, even if they get her back, even with all her problems, her yeah. back problems, season problems, getting out the wrong side of bed problems, whatever the problems are with Epiton. There's yeah. always sort of these like rolling excuses for her in various different guises. Ultimately, even at her best, she wouldn't be able to beat Honeysuckle. I know she won a champion hurdle, but she won a windy champion hurdle. And she she'd have to be better than what we've seen her do previously. She'd have to put up a career best effort. And I don't think she's got that in her. I was taking, you know, I was pleased to see her do what she did the last day at Kempton but for me that wasn't anywhere near enough um it was nice to see her back I guess the nicest thing the best thing about that race if you're an Epitomp fan is just her willingness to jump and her zest to 
go to the front and she seemed on a real going day that day but she's got too many sort of question marks next to her name for me and at the prices at the moment anyway I'd rather be with a horse like Xana here over her if you were looking for some each way value mm. for a horse to run into a place or whatever I thought Xana here you know he hasn't really fallen into that trap that so many juveniles can do of like flopping in their first year in open company hurdling I thought the run you know they really tried to spoil Sharjah the last, um, you know, at Leopardstown and it didn't quite come off, but he got pretty bloody close to trying to pull that off. Um, they won't be able to do quite the same tactics at Cheltenham, but I just thought at the prices, he was quite an interesting one. And if they go there, like comparing him to the likes of Epiton, I'd rather be with something like him to run into a place. But as Kevin's touched upon and Tony will too, it is a windy enough division. I mean, Charge is obviously interesting too, just in terms of if you're looking for horses to chase home honeysuckle. Yeah. Because when he when he, he's been second twice at 16 to 1 and 11 to 1, probably going to go off a fraction shorter this time around, but probably not that short, you know, 9 to 1, 10 to 1 or something. Um but it's a bit of it's a bit uninspiring, isn't it? I mean, we're yeah. all looking forward to seeing Honeysuckle, but Zana here was the one that I just thought, oh, the prices and the form that we know, I thought that was maybe of interest. Dan, Tony Calvin, do you know what the price of Constitution Hill to win the Supreme, Fernie Hollow to win the Arcot, and Honeysuckle to win the Champion Hundred Seven is? The treble works out at 13 and a half to one, and I will be all over that. <laughs> you, you, you. If I said the treble pays even money, you'd still <laughs> Absolutely, you right. are Absolutely. Mr. Price insensitive. <laughs> Mr. Price, I have a new call, call, him, call him an idiot. Quick, you'll get loads of news. <laughs> I've had the racing post. I've had news for you all. The racing post have just signed me up to it for a two-year column to rival Thomas the Gal, which is price blind. Price blind. <laughs> you, you may well laugh at that, but what, I, I've got I've got enough. Pet hates in this sport to, to actually fill a pet shop, but um, <laughs> they've got price wise now. Do you know it's the most price insensitive column going around? It's the only, it's one of the only betting tipping columns that never mentions a price. That's, so you can actually do that, you. you yeah, price blind with you Hugh Cow. You could price stick blind. up. <laughs> You can, that's, that's what they should rename it. But um, so yeah, I mean, shuddering from the thought of Tony Calvin's pet shop <laughs> full of his pet hates. I'm sorry about that earlier, Vanessa. But people would pull out these old. The favourites won this race 19, out, 19 times out of the last twenty. It's totally Tony, bloody irrelevant. Tony, don't apologise to me. We've already had people on Twitter saying that I get an easy ride on this pod. We need more no. of that from you. A few more. No, I, no, I always, no, I always apologise to you afterwards. Yeah, Vanessa. You're talking absolute bollocks all right there we go come on hit me with it i'm able for it just looking at this race i mean you i know exactly how i'm going to play this race the day before march the 11th or whatever it is i'll be saying honeysuckles uh a very fair price at 1.5 twos on (laughs) and i will i mean 1.84 now it it will be twos on tops on the day because there's, there's nothing here to beat her yeah. If the second, if, you know, if if appreciate is the answer, I don't know what the bloody question is because appreciate it. Missed the first half of the season, uh, can't get it ready for novice chasing, and that's second favourite of the champion hurdle. Epiton, you know, staggered home on the Kempton running quicker, quicker than uh, slower than you do uh, on a Saturday night coming back from Dublin. <laughs> you're, beating, you're beating a horse called Glory and Fortune two and a quarter lengths. I mean, Jesus Christ, and that's third favourite for the for the, the champion hurdle. Yeah. This is the elite, Tony, the best of the best, the champion got, hurdle, baby. You've got T. Hooper, who's about his sixth favourite on the exchange, beating Quilixios a half a length last time. Jesus, wet man. I mean, this division. I, mean, I know exactly what I'm going to do here. I'll be I'll be backing, I'll be tipping and backing Charger at four to one and five to one without a honeysuckle. Ooh. Yeah. I'll be chucking uh, a few quid each way, uh, not so sleepy at 25 each way, and then without market um, on, on the day before. Um, and Honeysuckle will just turn up and win. Uh, if, she, if she does turn up, she'll be, I think she'll probably be about two or five because I appreciate it probably blow out before then. Epiton, Jesus, no. So now um, is the time to put my treble on, TC. Now the time, my 13 and a half to one treble. Do it now. Yeah, yep. Okay, lovely. There we go. See, we're sorry, sorry. I've got enough pet hates to fill a pet shop. That is, <laughs> I've never heard that before, and now that is that is so good. I, I, to Jesus, I, don't get me going here. Yeah. Don't even get me on people. Don't get me. Don't get. I tell you what, I do. What, you you keep on picking up that black book and writing things down. How many women in the Dublin area have you got in that black book? Hey, 
Yeah. Me, uh, four. <laughs> I'm three. I'm three in the morning returning my calls. I know. And the other one's your mum. <laughs> right. Okay. So that's the center of three, by the way. That's the three. Uh, that's the three big ones on day one are our footsteps to the festival. Um, we hope you've given you some kind of steer there. The big news is that Barry Orr is just texting me offering to buy my price blind column for betting Betfair. So we'll see. There's a price war going on between the racing post and betting. So we'll see what happens. And I'll keep you posted. Okay. <laughs> um, our next section before we get to our list of questions we do have a lot of list of questions as well which uh, we want to uh, to get to and we will in time but first of all obviously the um, cross-industry group findings um, in a bit to kind of revive jump racing this is something we've spoken about plenty of times Kevin Blake has written about it on numerous of times about throwing out basically the calendar in the national hunt season and just rewriting it with the BHA so here are five aims across the BHA aimed at interlinking an uh, independent uh, um, report and obviously just to, to try and kind of revive the season as such. So number one, to see Britain's best horses more regularly running against each other outside of the Cheltenham Festival, to make Britain's best horses and stables more competitive against those representing Ireland, which is the key point, to encourage the handicapper doesn't have to keep on lobbing on uh, extra pounds for Irish horses and taking them off the Brits, and uh, to encourage more of the sport's highest investing owners to have their horses trained in Britain, to neutralise prize money as a consideration for owners when decisions are taken about whether a horse is trained in Britain or in Ireland, and five, to produce a race programme that is consistently more engaging to punters, fans, the media and uh, race goers. So in the hope of achieving those aims, Two recommendations. A, incentivize greater competition between the sports leading horses in all divisions by implementing significant changes to the jump pattern and listed program, focusing primarily on the enhancing and refining of Britain's graded listed races. And B, delivering a significant prize money increase for British jump racing with suggested measures to include the settlement of increased minimum prize money levels that encourage owners and trainers to run horses and also reward those racehorses most willing to invest in persons. So, Tony Calvin, you have... Got a response, albeit a little bit late in the day, but better late than yeah. ever from BHA in regards to those questions. I was absolutely gutted uh, when the BHA got back to me 10 minutes before we recorded the show <laughs> with the names with the names of the people on the, the Quality Jump Race Committee because I was actually going to get stuck in about the lack of transparency about... I mean, I mean, anybody, a lot of people have written about this, but nobody's brought up the fact that nobody knew who was on this committee. If, if, if you know, this, this is a serious recommendation. You want to know who was inputted into what we've got. Now, what we've got is makes total sense. Uh, but what we also have got is a total lack of detail. I mean, obviously that will be built on in the coming months. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I went back and had a look at all uh, the committees and, and the, the minutes of meetings. This, this was signed off on November the 23rd in, uh, in, a, in a board meeting with the BHA. So I don't know why it's, why it's taking so long to come out. Um, obviously, the, the Racing Post sat on the story for a while because they got their dates mixed out and uh, about when uh, Ruth Cream was saying it was done. But um, yeah, I mean, I, it's all it all makes total sense. The likes of you know cutting down on the grade twos, you know, making some of these races handicaps. Uh, but I think it all falls down when you go back and have a look at the details. For example, take the two-mile division. Everyone's saying make the Clarence House on the 22nd Ascot, make that a handicap. That's all well and good. But these horses aren't going to materialise from anywhere. I went, I went back and had a look at the valuable two-mile handicap chases this season, just as an example. Before midnight, has won a 31 grand race at Cheltenham and a 44 grand race um, at Ascot. I mean, and that is like 75 grand to the winner. So he, he's picked up 75 grand in, in two of the top two mile handicap chases. Guess how many horses ran in each race? And these are handicaps. Seven in each race. He's beaten 12 horses to, to take home 75 grand. So all right, make the Clarence House from a grade one, make it a handicap. But where yeah. are the horses going to materialise from to actually to run in this and make it a an eight runner plus handicap which will appease bookmakers etc now see it's all well and good but i don't think we've got the uh, we haven't got the depth of horse in this country to actually do this so any short-term measure is, is going to be hampered by the fact that you know we just haven't got we haven't got the horses to fillies and it, and it's also undone all this all this stuff i mean the race courses do what they want we have a classic example this this month whereby Lingfield have put on brilliant prize money for the Lingfield Millions or whatever it's called, um, and and a lot of that's a lot of horses that may have run 
in uh, the Quarto Star at Kempton might have been held back for this race. I mean, the Quarto Star was a, was a small runner field as well. So until you get the race courses on board and actually buying into the fact that you get a proper structure of racing that buys into what the BHA and these committees want, the race courses, if they can do what they want, it, it's all going to be underdone there. And we have a situation whereby, you know, hopefully, hopefully the Lingfield race goes ahead because it's good prize money. Um, you know, and it's free for all, etc. But it, was, it really underplayed. Gary Moore said on the Nick Luck Daily podcast last week that he'd already heard that the um, the meeting was, was 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 a goner, which will yeah. be an absolute, well, actually gutting for for Lingfield and Ark and and, and horses that, and owners and trainers that kept their horses back for that meeting. Kev, what's your sense of all this? Um, sure, look, there's some positive noises in it. Uh, like I suppose the first thing it says is that this kind of highlights so and it's been talked about before David Walsh was talking about it on the on race and debate the other day or last week even about the, the problems you get when you have your your regulator and your promoter being the same firm essentially because you know they, 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 the, the points are so mishmashed here in that you you want to see point one to see British horses race more regularly against each other outside the Cheltenham Festival point two to make British Britain's best horses stay was more competitive against those representing Ireland like <laughs> like yeah. come on I just I just don't see that I don't get that um at all you know and I look the problem as Tony mentions the problem the BHA are going to have here they could come into this and this committee could come into this with the best of intentions um number one I think whenever you do these things by committee um, it can often fall into the fall into the trap of trying to please everyone on the committee. And uh, because thanks to Tony, I suppose we, we see who's on this now, and there's, there's there's some great people on it. Um, but you know, you also have um, trainers and owners, etc. And and those their interests are never going to be aligned with the the bigger picture you're trying to achieve. Um, so you know, I think Ruth Quinn as the chair need, needs to be very strong here in terms of the leadership she shows and the decisiveness she shows in uh, implementing this. And as Tony also says, look, devil's in the detail you know, saying, oh, we might convert the Clarence House to a handicap, even if they do, it's not really going to change anything. Because as Tony again mentioned, there's just no, the depth isn't there. You know, you turn the Clarence House to a two-miler, your your dream is that the top horses will contest this and we get a really engaging, fascinating contest where the best two-milers give weight away to a big field of, of you know, of lower rated horses on handicap terms, brilliant idea, but you just make it one change in the calendar and, you know, Nikki and the boys are going to keep all their best chasers away from there because they've loads of other alternatives. So look, as I've said all along, and like I say, you have been right about this for years and years, this isn't something to be nipping and talking at. You really need to go at this properly. And yeah. the problem you have is, um, is getting the race courses on board because what, what needs to happen here is the number of grade ones needs to be slashed. A whole heap of grade twos need to be converted to handicaps and the race courses are going to hate that. You yeah. say you, you ring up Newbury or, or whoever and say, Sandown, right, lads, we're whipping away four grade ones from you there. Uh, we'll, we'll swap one of your grade twos into a handicap. They'll rear up and go mad. And you'll get situations where uh, race courses and race course owners groups will just create their own races without graded status, with a good lump of prize money. Um, and it just throws the whole thing out of kilter. So I fear that while the intentions are good here and some of the noises are positive, um, I, I'm going to wait and see what happens here because I fear they're, they're going to struggle to, to get to really achieve what they're looking to do here and um, with any great effectiveness because of the, the <clears throat> mishmash nature of, of uh, British racing and how it's structured and who has the power, etc. Not, a, not so, an easy job for them. So, Vanessa, while, you're, while, while everything looks like, you know, nice ideas and, and, and great on paper, as Kevin said, you were relying on the goodwill of people to basically cut off a bit of their own nose despite their face. And I don't know if that's going to happen, right? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, when the aim that Ruth Quinn piece came out and the aims came out, those five that you've read out, like it doesn't take it. I'm surprised it took however many people Tony can tell us were around the table to come to that conclude to, to those conclusions. I mean, it really doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out they want more competitive racing, more prize money, and a better product for the racing public or whatever the points are, you know, something around those anyway. But so it was a bit, so those those four points that came out of it and then the two sort of conclusions as well, It I read that and I was like, okay, well, that's a very, 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 very small step towards something positive. I didn't really read that and think, hurrah, like the world's going to change and we're all for the better here. I read it and I thought, 
okay great like we could have lots of people could have told you that already but i guess that we've got it down on paper now is a good start i don't want to take away from the whole thing i suppose the fact that even even if it is a very small progress step it's progress all the same points that tony and kevin have made about needing the race courses on side when you look at the lingfield million situation you know of course race courses are going to kick on and do something like that if you're going to take away all their big grade ones that they want to publicize and shout loudly about but ultimately this just keeps coming back to what we already know that you know there's too many uh too many chefs and in the kitchen isn't there there's too many stakeholders there's too many people pulling in different directions it's the age-old thing kevin's spoken about it at length on this podcast in loads of different ways loads of different angles and this this comes back to the same problem here is that those points are all well and good but until everyone is on the same page singing from the same hymn sheet it's very hard to implement those those actions and i just when are we ever going to be on the same hymn sheet it's very tricky yeah. to see okay just, just one brief. final point i mean looking just at briefly, the, yeah. just looking at the committee structure i mean and who's on it uh, that's all fine they're all, they're all good people and stuff like that but who decides who's on that for example from the bookmakers simon claire's on there now he is a he is the committee man incarnate isn't he he's but you know is he why would he be speaking for all bookmakers and not just, you know, Labrooks, Cole, Intain, et cetera? I mean, and there'd be a lot of, lot of other people there, a lot of, you know, Dan Skelton's on there for the trains, et cetera. I mean, why? How, I'd like to know how these committees are formed. And it's good that they've come out and, uh, and actually said who's in it and broadcast yeah. and media are on there as well. But it's just, I mean, if, you, if you're going to get bookmakers representing a bookmaker's view, it'd be interesting to know if Simon Clare took, took soundings from all the other bookmakers. Now, I, I know for a fact that even someone high up in Labrooks Coles didn't even know Simon was on that, was on that list beforehand. So right. I, I'm, I'm, I, just, I just want to know, if, if you're coming to the table, hopefully Dan's coming after taking a big briefing from all trainers, Simon with bookmakers likewise, and, uh, and the media and broadcasters. Nobody has asked me from the media and broadcasters on that committee as well. So it's all committees are like that, but it's just, it's just a, a slight concern of mine. Perfect. Okay. Um, on to our listener questions then, guys. We'll watch the space and see if... Uh, what comes of, of those recommendations, by the way. Um, all, um, by the way, we've dealt with these in, the, in our t- conversation about the Supreme, but um, John says, uh, if I'm having bet the Supreme today, is there value in the Irish horses given the Henderson dominance? Well, Kevin thinks there is. I don't think so, but I guess it's a split of opinion there. Rob says, you'll, know, you'll find no bigger Nicky Henderson constitution arm than me, uh, and he looks phenomenal. I suspect he is the real deal, but Sir Gerhard debuted really impressively and has obvious form on the track. That is true. Ian Brother says, could you see Constantine Hill going to the Ballymore? Travels so well and quickens. Well, you wouldn't rule it out, um, given John Bon and uh, himself are in the same stable, but uh, we certainly hope, well, I certainly hope the Constitution Hill goes for the Supreme Ian. Nick says, um, Nicky's played it down, but given the relaxed way in which Constitution Hill travels and then hits the line, uh, so strongly, even on bottomless ground and he would surely get the Ballymore trip. So another one who thinks that's a potential option. And Pat says, could Nicky separate uh, Constitution Hill and Jomon at the festival? I'm sure you have a load of these questions. Yeah, look, we'll wait and see. Hopefully they both line up in the same race because we'll just make it all the more uh, entertaining on the first race of the day. Um, okay, Owen says, greetings from Kabul. Uh, it would be interesting <laughs> to hear your opinions around the subject of collusion and betting and bookmakers' obligations when they have reason to believe rules have been broken came to light again this week in the Greyhound world and seems to be a recurring issue. Is it a recurring issue, TC? Uh, collusion in the bookmakers' world? Or uh, of- well, this is... Well, very, we'll touch upon it very briefly because I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't gone into this with a, with a massive detail, but uh, it's all to do with... Jeff, Jeff Banks took a, a multiple in the Greyhounds. I think it was at Sheffield. Uh, but at the same... Uh, the three different multiples were placed uh, by three different people at exactly the same time with the same dogs, etc. And basically, anybody, any most bookmakers' firms, T's and C's now, if, if they mention collusion, they've got catch-all, they've got catch-all uh, clauses, etc. So basically, if people are betting an orchestrated a gamble from different accounts, betting at the same time, um, collusion, call it what you will, they do have it in their power under their terms and conditions to void these bets. Now, I don't know the exact, there's the disputed um, facts in this in this case as well, but there, there seemed to be a, a big lapse from when the bet was placed until the race is being run. So um, they had every chance to void these, this multiple before the, 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 they took place. Mm. Um, and after the first one's run, I'm afraid, uh, from my point of view, 
you have to grit you have to grit and bear it and all of the bet and then and then just close the accounts afterwards anyway but yeah. but as i understand it i think it reads badly for the bookmaker uh, in question uh, but under their t's and c's i think they had every right to do it when they actually voided it is is is, is the case in point here but uh, but once you once you have a bet and the first one's running a multiple i think you're going to have to honor your bet don't you yeah, the I first so, one's one. Yeah, exactly. Brad Maxley says, um, are there any tracks in UK Ireland that we think would be better run the opposite direction? I know Wexford changed direction approximately five years ago. Emma Keane replied to that and said, Ballon Road, the final uphill corner, bunches the field and means horses to be delivered late. Yeah, I agree with you. I was there and a couple of years ago. It's, it's very obvious that that's a problem there. And George Moir says, banger on D. Uh, the point-to-point courses runs in the opposite direction to the rules course, uh, which is interesting. Anyone else? No, I didn't no. know that about Bangor, and when no. it, when that was pointed out, I was I was surprised by that when I read that answer. No, it's you can have some fun with it. People just said toaster, Cheltenham, Chepstow, <laughs> turn them around. You know, yeah. toaster, toaster will become a speed track, wouldn't it? Absolutely. And <laughs> um, Martin Richards says a query about Wing County yesterday when they ran their one thirty over a mile seven. Uh, one mile seven furlongs, fifty yards. This note is from the BHA general instructions. And uh, no steeplechase or hurdle race may be run over a distance of less than two miles. What is going on? I, I did have a look at this. Uh, I spoke to the guy yesterday and he pointed me to various BHA uh, links. I've never been on the BHA site so much in the last couple of days. Um, yeah, the, he is right, but there, there are dispensations allowed. And, yeah. uh, uh, Sandown was racing over sub two miles. Uh, on Saturday, though I think they'd increase yardage to put them over two miles. It is a directive, but there's a lot of scope for for common sense there with rail movements, etc. Um, okay. But yeah, there are a lot of directives. You know, on the flat meetings, you have to have two races over a mile on on a car. That's not always a deal to either. So yeah, uh, I know what he's saying, but it's not a big deal as long as the race distances are correct. That's the main thing. Yeah, I think okay. it it originates with the remeasuring of the distances there a few years ago when uh, like a lot of distances were wrong and they went and like properly surveyed them and measured them and a few just came in short of two miles um, and some starts okay. aren't appropriate to, to move back to give you the extra yardage because it's on a bend or what have you. Yeah and Martin did point that out as well um, saying that uh, some courses were given a dispensation to run over shorter distances so thanks for that Martin. Dave McCormack says or Dave McCormack how good is Nico de Boyneville? <laughs> Well, I guess it's all subjective, really. I mean, some people think he's brilliant, others, I don't know, less so. Anyone? 30, 30 grade ones to his name now. Yeah, he's so bad. People, so bad. People off air and people behind the scenes do tend to do tend to question his uh, yeah. his worth. But you know, like he's um, he's. I would like to say he's. A, I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's better riders out there. I'm sure there's a hell of a lot of worse riders out there. But his record speaks for itself. And uh, sure it does. And, yeah, uh, I don't think. I don't think Nicky's and, and JP and Sexy are going to let. Uh, too concerned. Put, yeah. put an idiot on on their on their horses. Yeah, uh, you know he, he gets the job done when he's. Uh, he does. When he got a penalty kick. Um, Rover Joyce says, um, Valadam in the Veterans Chase, how can ITV be praising the jockey for the Ryder Cup game at no chance? I didn't see this. Uh, I didn't I didn't see the praise from ITV as I was watching the other channel, but um, she obviously, Lily obviously went off in front, didn't she? And uh, tried to sort of win the race from the front and the veterans went a long way clear and then was caught. I, again, like I'd be with a couple of people who've brought this up in the questions. I'm not sure, you know, your aim as a jockey is surely to give the best, the, the horse the best chance of winning a race. And in that ground round Sandown, I'm not entirely sure that was the ride that gives that horse the best chance to win the race. Uh, and then some people saying, oh, well, it makes for a fun spectacle and, you know, horse going off a long way in front, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not like she nearly held on at the line. She was well, well, well beaten and the horse was absolutely exhausted. So yeah. I'm not, I don't know about that. I, I did, think, Tony? I did go and have a look at the, um, she went out a shot. So I don't, I can't see, you know, if she was like getting stuck into the horse to, to make sure he, uh, he finished fifth. So, but all I would say is, uh, you know, there were a lot of people out there who thought she ran a very good race because actually when I had a look at the in-running bet, and she actually tra- uh, the horse actually traded at 1.56 in running. So, okay, um, fair enough. Yeah, could yeah. well be being wise after the event here, but, it, it, you know, visually it looked, looked a madness ride, didn't it? But, you know, a lot of in-running punters were, were taken in by it. Okay. Yeah, looking at the finishing speed of the race here, it was 86.9%. <laughs> Oh, you know, which is tortoise stuff uh, yeah. and, and probably reflects that you know she, she did overdo it in front that, uh, and probably not by a little bit either you know but to so be fair the mayor's hurdle before that i think that finishing uh finishing there was i think that was 87 percent as well 
Yeah, okay, which, which just goes to show how, what a monster Constitution Hill is to be sauntering up the running. Constitution like, Hill, funny enough, was 107.1%. A crawlerous. Going behind. Why did Sandland Stewart not hold Lily Pynchon in over Coles for whipping an exhausted Valadon in the veterans' final? Again, I, she, she ran out of shots, so I, I couldn't I'm see I'm not her. sure. Yeah, I read that again, and I wasn't sure about, like, it's not like she'd beaten exhausted horse. She, you know, gave him a... She was beaten. She was well beaten, and the horse starts going backwards, and she gets a stick out a couple of times. But, you know, you see that all, every day of the week, but, yeah. Yeah. Elsie Goddard wants to know what price does uh, Prengard go off in the cross-country in the green and gold? Uh, That's an interesting horse, yeah. Uh, uh, if you, this news just broke there in the last day or two. Um High-profile French horse has been bought by JP and has been sent to um, end the bulger with a view to targeting the cross-country race at Cheltenham. Would have a oh. not a similar profile to Easy's Land. Oh, uh, really? When we, when we first saw him, so um, yeah. yeah, he's going to be an interesting one. He's, he won okay. five out of six in cross-country races for for Guillaume Macaire. Let's hope yeah. he jumps better than Easy's Land. Very then. very quickly, yeah. I, I asked somebody who's an expert in this field. Um, Apparently, they, they uh, someone tried to buy it recently before JP, and they turned out a very big offer. So JP must have uh, must have splashed. Must out. have played out. Apparently, it's you know machine, uh, not ground dependent. So they're not although it's all the grounds you know come in heavy ground. After Ender Bulger's got hold of it, um, he, this, this expert said he'd probably be a clear favourite before too. Lovely. Tony, Tony, JP's paid, paid proper money for him because, like me, JP is a switched-on individual and he wants yes. to win the bloody cross-country race. I'll tell, <laughs> tell, okay. tell you why he's bought him, because uh, John, uh, for Constitution Hill's not for sale. That's the only reason why he bought him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's six to one in a couple of places with the fixed odds firms. Uh, Lovely. So, I'll, throw yeah. my, I'll throw him into my tr- short ride travel to make it a little bit uh, Except for Sportsbook are five to one. So no, I think that, that, he, he's, uh, sorry, that's interesting. he's six to one against, not six, no, six to one, one against. All oh, right. Okay, I'll still stick him on anyway because price. <laughs> I'm price blind, TC. Paul says price any, blind. Any plans to release race declarations like the HRI since Mr. Highlighter isn't uh, on Twitter anymore? Uh, we need to wait for the bookies to react to figure out declarations. Yeah, it's a pain in the hole. Love you, Andy. Good. Pain in the hole. And when Rich Andy was giving his way back. Yeah. The final fence says, um, Tony, you often talk about making a pace map on racing only better. What's the best way to do this? And what process do you follow? Just, I go through the last about six to eight horses runs. Uh, and I mark out what their normal run style is, whether they're a front runner, mid division held up. Um, so I go through the last six or eight runs, just mark down what their normal run style is. Then I go back and have a look at where their best performances have come because a, a good angle into pace maps is to find out when a horse is going to switch tactics to tactics that have previously been very good. You get horses that have been held up, held up, held up. You go back and look at their records and their best performances are when, when made or been ridden prominently. So mm. anticipating change of running styles is, is as important as pace maps. But yeah, okay. they're important. That's the first, the first thing I do. And I think Kevin's the same. Excellent. Okay, TJ says, other than moving from the whip uh, to the pre-cush, I can't think of horse racing equipment that is advanced for technology. Am I missing something? Why have skin-tight silks not taken off in racing when they're so popular in cycling? Um, It's a very fair shout, actually. It's a very fair shout. Yeah, Um, my my dad is obsessed with this because he's massively into his cycling, big cycling fan, big sort of into, you know, in loads of different places, in loads of different ways, he's big into his cycling. And he um, follows the sport very closely and obviously the innovation over the years. And he when then when he started to come into the racing world, obviously making the AP McCoy film and then the, the Tory film, one of the things he kept bringing up with me like relentlessly was how he just couldn't get over like he can't get over cheap pieces or a fluffy noseband in terms of aerodynamics. He's just like, yeah. what the hell is going on here? Yeah. And obviously some people have latched on to the skin tight silks. But I think when I've had the discussion with him, I think what it comes down to, I don't know, but we haven't advanced at all, but I guess in horse racing, way more than cycling, Formula One, whatever, whenever you look at aerodynamics in other sports, I think the variables in horse racing away from aerodynamics are so vast compared to other sports. You know, when you look at everything, when you're dealing with an animal from, you know, it's well-being, did it eat up, drink up, travel, the ground, how it jumps, everything, is, you know, everything involved. I think there's so many other more variables in, in our sport that actually the aerodynamics of your silks or your cheek pieces or your fluffy noseband or even your helmet. Dad was like, why would you not have a more aerodynamic helmet? Um, I think other variables just outweigh that okay. aerodynamic. Fascinating. Yeah. 
Yeah, interesting. That's interesting. Well, I don't know what Kevin was going to say. I jumped in. Sorry, Kev. No, I think there should be more of it. You know, look, it's, it's, it's clearly very, very marginal, but, you know, races are decided by, by you know, pixels, millimetres, you know, yeah. so why wouldn't you do that? You know, that, okay. that always amazes me too. Some junkies, who was it? Um, oh, Jesus, the dentist, the, uh, Christ. Come on, the amateur jockey, dentist. Sam Wiley Cohen. Wiley Cohen. Sam Wiley Cohen. He used to always wear skin tight sailors, didn't he? Yeah, um, and you, you see, you see them around. Like Coolmore tried them for a while, didn't they? Coolmore yeah, got like, bored. They, they don't look as good, I suppose. But you know, come on, are we trying to win races or are we trying to look good, lads? Good point. Okay. Um, Paul Manning wants to know: Is Irish racing becoming too concentrated? W.P. Mullins, Elliot Henry said, "Very few races you can actually get value on now, and they're also less competitive." Actually, I'll take this because Russell Sullivan gave an interesting answer to this over the weekend, um, that was put up on Twitter, basically saying, "Look." They all started off, um, you know, not as these behemoths that they are now. Obviously, Henry only had eight horses at one stage. Gordon came from very little. Willie, even as well, had to build his stable up. And at one stage was like, you know, riding horse boxes around Ireland to get Ruby to ride from. So they all have to start somewhere. And yeah, they've all grown and have success. But should they be knocked for the success? It's up to the other trainers. And Ross admitted it's up to us now to try and get on board and to try and, and build ourselves up, which I thought was an absolutely brilliant answer. Instead of knocking the big trainers that yeah. he was saying, look, it's up to us to kind of come up to speed. Um, um, Jamie O'Leary says McCurric or, McCurric or Chapman uh, personally for me it's McCurric what do you think TC McCurric or Chapman uh, I think it's an unfair example I think McCurric was just solely betting uh, clearly Matt's just not um, you know he's not a, he's not a you know a betting solely a betting correspondent is he I think he's yeah. he'd rather do, much be doing other stuff than reading out market moves and I don't even know if he does the market move Tanya Tanya Stevenson might do those uh, in the background for ITV actually so I don't even Matt actually pause around that so I think it's an unfair comparison uh, like I said Matt Chapman does have his um, does have his negatives but uh, no, he, yeah. he, he, when he's on top form he's he's up there with the other good broadcasters I have to admit yeah. um, David Brown says I mentioned on the previous podcast but for all the double racing festivals great it isn't great for the season in a hole in Ireland for jumps itself January is the worst month for jumps now so he wants them spread out over the three weeks I, we, look, we spoke about this before it's a decision by HRI to concentrate it into the double racing festival it's been very successful with them so far and I don't think it's going to change now but um, I do get your point about January being absolutely terrible and uh, Joe Larkin says can you explain the horrific form of a racing only better stable recently is it something in the feed excuse me Joe I had a 5-2 to two on winner at the weekend speak for yourself pal Speak for your he's, he's talking about me. I've got a, I've got ten losing naps in a row. I'm getting worried. Well, like Henry de well. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> Jessica Jessica Harrington more like she still hasn't had a winner. Listen, Joe, 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 just follow the price blind, okay? Follow the price blind, and you'll be you'll be quids in by the time Cheltenham comes around. Adam says, any ideas of when to bet for a non-winner no bet on championship or all races for the festival? People seem to think three six five have gone early, but in previous years we've seen championship races go non-winner no bet in December. That, um, anyone know? That was what I was going to ask Barry on before we started recording. And I totally forgot. Perhaps you can okay, we'll come back. We'll get an answer. Send us a message. We'll, we'll tweet it out and we'll, we'll get back to that one, Adam. And uh, Darren Mulvaney says, given the leniency of the handicapper to UK trained horses this year, do you think it'll make much difference to the scores in the handicaps of Chelham? Absolutely, it will. Also, we like to see more of an increase in of Irish horses marks. Of course, it's going to make a difference. It's going to make a significant difference, and they'll get what they want, but they'll give the Irish more stones to throw at the British for next year. And on round we go. It's just the one Marigold around a plane. And that's game. just the classic case of just like painting up the cracks with a bit of super glue there and just hoping yeah. for the best. I mean, exactly. Just giving us a better chance by being lenient it with our handicap marks is not going to fix all the issues. Uh, exactly. Irish exactly. Yeah, it, could, it, could, it could be quite funny because I know the, 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 there was this hilarious uh, sequence of events with the Melbourne Cup a few years ago when the, the Europeans were winning. And, uh, and a couple of Australian traders came out and were complaining about the lenient handicapping of, uh, of, of, of European trained horses. And then later, another couple of traders came out and said, oh, yeah, our horses are rated too low. We can't get into the race. They should rate the Australian <laughs> horses higher. Oh, Brilliant. Last two questions. Alan Conway said, did Racing TV really bid so much more than Sky for the Irish racing? Unless it was astronomical, the loss of exposure is untold. Um, I don't know how the details are on this, but well, um, it's, it's more complex than obviously yeah. just cash, uh, essentially. Yeah. But obviously, yeah. as we discussed last week, the rights are coming up for renewal again, and Sky will be bidding for them clearly, I'm sure. And yeah. Racing TV won't want to lose them, etc. etc. But it is a valid point that when you think about what we 
what the old at the races used to do in terms of PR and publicity for Irish racing and also horses, yards, stallions, specifically on the flat. You know, we used to give those, you know, like the Derby trial stakes, uh, you know, at Leperstown. Those were like big days for us. We used to give them serious airtime. And as a result, the winners of those races and connections got serious PR and publicity from us. Um, yeah. free of charge just by process of the fact that the Irish racing was the best racing we had on the channel. Now it's all merged in with racing TV and it gets lost on a big day. Like the PR machine has fallen by the wayside completely. So look, it's just another mm. point, but yeah, I, that's I, and, and if you have an opinion on which channel should show the Irish racing, feel free to let that opinion be known now because these considerations are taking place yeah. right now. The negotiations yeah, exactly. are happening right now. So and there is a right you, answer. A member of the Irish there racing is a right public, answer. British racing public have a strong opinion <laughs> on this matter. No bias here. Here. Now. If I knew how to no do a Twitter here. poll, I'll do a Twitter poll. But, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, by the way, Betfair are going on. No, no decision has been made yet, um, but um, Adam, it'll probably be February, but no decision made, but probably February, so just keep an eye on that. And last question, Toby Hawkins says, outside of the big festivals, what's the one day's race you most enjoy attending and why? For me, it's the Thiestes in Gorham Park. Anybody else, quickly? Uh, for me, it's the national meeting at Clonmel for the dogs. Lovely. Uh, but, <laughs> and it's the, it's, the, it's the next meeting where I can have a drink. Right. Okay. So as soon as I, don't care, I don't care where it is, as long as it's got a bar with red possible. wine and gin. Lovely. And Kev, Kev, what about yourself? I, I, I am fond of the, the international meeting at York. Uh, I, I do really like that. Okay. Good <laughs> stuff. Uh, I'll give you that one. Good old flathead there, Kev, sticking to the flat. Right. That's about the <laughs> So thank you to all our listeners as well. Vanessa, you mentioned your mum um, actually started listening to the show. Any chance she'd agree to go out for a drink with me, or is that? I mean, a little bit dodgy from you, but she is a lot better looking than me, and she's better crack as well. But right, well, I don't just think don't, don't get your dad on his bike after me. I tell you what. I mean. <laughs> when your mum says no, you're going to go up the ladder for the grandma, aren't you? <laughs> Stop. Listen, Stop. As, I, as I already outlined, TC, my, my little black book is completely bare, so we ought to be blocked by those people. Anyway, look, thanks to all our listeners brilliant questions as always and to the panel and we hope you enjoyed it please gamble responsibly enjoy the week we're back at racing only better on thursday it's the lanzarote next week so we hope you can join us for that it's another two to five shot being tipped by price point right here go easy <laughs> <laughs>